0: So, what we're going to do now is uh, spend a few moments uh, speaking from God's word, talking about some things that are important. Um, Emma has read together this section of scripture, and the verses that we have looked at, or that Emma has read for us, and we're going to look at for a moment, begin by saying what we should do as younger people, that we should remember our Creator in the days of our youth. But quite often, Preachers sort of like stop at that particular point and they don't carry through and talk about the next few verses which speak about what it's like to get old and uh, some of us are going to learn a lot uh, here this evening about what it's like to get old. Some of us will be able to uh, agree with the scriptures very clearly because what we have seen taking place or what is uh, contained within the scriptures, we have actually seen taking place in our own hearts and in our own lives. And we have discovered that indeed the scriptures have a great deal of insight when it comes to getting old. Now the objective is not to depress everyone this evening. The objective is to speak about the most wonderful experience that any of us can ever have and that is to know Who created us? To know the God who created the world in which we find ourselves. To know the God who created and loves us and to be able to have that relationship with him. So I want to tell you a story. Uh, Whether it's entirely true, uh, I'm not uh, able to say either way. But essentially it goes like this. A young guy, uh, one day after hearing a particularly challenging sermon from uh, the pastor of the church that he had been brought up in, He'd been going to this church since he was a very young child and he'd gone right the way through Sunday school, young people's work, all the way through to the point that he would uh, simply come along on a Sunday, usually because his parents insisted that he had to. Now, there may be some people that can relate to that particular point here this evening. The pastor had preached very powerfully. And at the end of the service, as he was leaving the church, the pastor put his hand out, shook it, and the young man had to stop. That's why I stand at the back sometimes and catch some of you, because you've got to stop and you've got to talk. And uh, the young man was a really popular guy. He was good at sport. Uh, Everybody loved him. He even wore cowboy boots, and there are some young people here this uh, this evening who would know what that reference really comes down to. And he stopped. The pastor spoke to him, and he said to the pastor, pastor, great sermon, but When should I repent? When should I repent of my sin and come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, the pastor knew the young man. And it's a funny job being a pastor because you get to know a whole variety of people. I may not be able to remember names, but you know quite a lot about people. The pastor also knew that the young man was popular, he knew the young man's character. And he felt that the best way to be able to get this young man to stop and to think was to give him the sort of answer that he knew that the young man would want to hear. That's an unusual way of approaching this. And so he looked the young man in the eye and he said, well, I suppose ideally for you, you want to repent the day before you die. The young man was ecstatic he couldn't believe it, his pastor had actually said what he wanted to hear. And he began counting on his fingers 10, 20, 30. Because boys have to count on their fingers to be able to add up. And he began counting on his fingers and he said, 40, 50 years possibly of excitement, of living my life, of enjoying everything. And he turned away from the pastor, was just about to take a step out of the door when suddenly he stopped and he said, But, Pastor, when am I going to die? And the pastor said, well, that's the problem, isn't it? You don't know, do you? You don't know. The pastor doesn't know. The young man doesn't know. And so the pastor went on to say, you need to repent now. And you need to turn to Jesus right now. Don't even leave it till tomorrow. Often young people think they're immortal. I remember thinking things like that. You sort of look at your life and you look at your parents and you think, well, you know, if I ever get as old as them, I've just got such a long time to live. Nothing's going to happen. I've got all this time ahead of me. Everything's going to be absolutely fine. But you see, the opportunity to do what the Scripture says that Emma read to us, the opportunity... To remember now your creator in the days of your youth has an expiration date. And when this date comes, your opportunity goes. When the date comes, the opportunity to repent has gone. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth. These are the words that King Solomon said. What do you do when you have everything? It's possible that there are some people even here. Finances are not an issue. You can have whatever you want. What do you do when you have nothing? Haven't you noticed how strange it is that people who apparently have everything often find that they have nothing? I'm going to tell you a story about a a friend of mine. His name was Barry. Uh, Barry started off selling double glazing in England. Um, uh, School was not fun for him. As soon as he could escape from school, he did so. He suffered from uh, dyslexia. He couldn't spell very well. Writing was a challenge. School was of no interest to him. However, he could sell double glazing. And he was very good at his job. So he started out to do this. And one day, he met a man who wanted to talk about replacing windows in a holiday park, okay? a chalet park. I don't know if you have them Yes, you do. And you have these little, little chalets that people stay in. And he got talking to the guy, and the guy said, actually, uh, I've just got to do a few repairs. I just want to get this place sold. I want to retire. And Barry looked at it, and he thought to himself, I can make a million here. And so he mortgaged his house. He sold everything he possibly could to raise enough money to buy the chalet park that was uh, being um, spoken about that this guy wanted windows sorted out. And today, Barry owns in England a company called Ho, Season, Ho-, Ho- Seasons Holidays. And if you go onto their website, you will discover that Barry now owns more than 22,000 chalets lodges, houses, even boats on the canals. He has about 1.75 million regular customers who come to stay at his holiday resorts and so on. One day, Barry turned up and uh, he said, Hey Sim, my wife's bought me a, a birthday present. So I went outside and looked at it. And it was a shining Aston Martin DB9. True story. Now for the girls here, a DB9, Aston Martin DB9, is a very fast motor car. Okay. And he said, do you want to ride? So he just threw me the key or this thing. And I sat in it, pressed the button, and the engine, six, six and a half liters, I think, roared into life. And that car flew it was incredible and you know what just for a moment i felt like james bond (laughs) just for a moment okay and i was looking for the button where the machine guns come out of the front and uh it wasn't there but it was an incredible experience and i really enjoyed driving that car for a few moments i got back we had a cup of coffee together, tea or coffee or whatever. And Barry turned to me and he said, you know what, Sim, he said. And he had spoke with, with an accent like this. He said, you know what, Sim? <laughs> he said, I've got all this. I'm rich. But I'm not satisfied. What's wrong? And at that time, I couldn't tell him what was wrong. But I remember his words very, very clearly. I've got all this, Sim. It's incredible. I employ hundreds of people. But there's something missing. You've probably heard the saying that money can't buy happiness. And by the way, this evening's message is not about the evils of money. All right? But we have to go here because King Solomon speaks about it. And he was a very rich chap. So it's important that we understand this. Money can't buy happiness, we hear it, it's spoken to us, perhaps your mum's mentioned it to you. But deep down inside of us, I suspect that almost all of us here this evening would say, but I'm the exception. If I did win the lottery or if I did have a huge amount of money that was given to me or something, I would be the exception because the first thing I would do would be to give at least 10% to God. Of what was given to me, and I would be different to anybody else, and I would be happy. You see, we as human beings never seem to learn the lesson that nothing, absolutely nothing in this world, will truly satisfy us, just won't work. And centuries ago, King Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, and in his book he showed and he talked about how he learned the truth of this lesson. Yes, he had great power, and he had enormous wealth, and yet, as we read the words that he wrote, he keeps speaking about the bitter disappointment that he faced in life. And so, in his life, he tried different roads to overcome this, different ways, different journeys that he went on to try and find a way of actually being happy in this life. And I'm going to suggest to us that we're all doing the same thing if we don't certainly know and love the Lord Jesus as our Savior because we keep digging, we keep hoping, we keep wanting, we keep searching, we keep looking at other people, we keep having that determination that there's got to be something better than the life that I have before me today. So we're going to talk very briefly now about some of the different roads that he went down, and the first one I've called the highway of knowledge. There are some very clever people here, okay? I'm not one of them, but there are. Anna and I were talking about this recently and that's why she's smiling at this particular moment. King Solomon was clever. He was an intelligent chap. He could write books. And he could think and he could write and he could think and he could write and he could explain the things that were going on in his heart and in his mind and he would look at people and he would write about them and he would explain the situations that he saw around him. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, starting at verse 13, he wrote, and I set my heart to seek and to search out wisdom concerning all that is done under heaven. All that is done under heaven. He said, look, I've attained greatness and have gained more wisdom than all who were before me in Jerusalem. My heart understands great wisdom and knowledge and I perceive that this is grasping for the wind. So Solomon chased after and sought knowledge as being the solution to his lack of happiness but discovered that it was just a chasing after the wind. You tried to catch the wind, it just goes through your fingers, doesn't it? You can't see it, you can't grasp it, you can feel it, but it's gone. And then he went down the avenue of hard work and there are lots of people here that go down the avenue of hard work. I know some of you. And you work very hard because you believe that that's the way to achieve what needs to be achieved in your life for the happiness to come so that you can achieve what you want. And Solomon was a hard worker. He invested, he produced, and he built built the temple. And yet again, on reflection, he said, Ecclesiastes 2 this time, verse 18, Then I hated all my labor in which I had toiled under the sun, because i must leave it to the man who will come after me there was a couple of uh, lads who they were only 18 or 19 that sort of age and their parents had decided to go on a round the world cruise and they went to see their parents off and they'd made a big sign and it said mum and dad don't spend it all remember us okay because there comes a point in our lives when we suddenly realize that everything we're doing will be passed on to others in that sense. And the king is saying, why should I labor and work like this when all that happens is that the next generation gets the reward? Then we'll talk about the streets of materialism and pleasure And incredibly, King Solomon, this so-called wise king, who had everything he needed to satisfy himself, wrote this, Ecclesiastes 2, 3 and 8. He said, I search in my heart how to gratify my flesh in wine. Now, we could put all sorts of things there, can't we? He goes on and he says, I built myself houses. Lots of people build really smart houses, don't they? Maybe it's because everybody else can see it. I built myself houses. I've planted myself vineyards. I've made myself gardens and orchards. I've made myself pools, swimming pools perhaps. I've acquired male and female servants and had servants born in my household. Yes, I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. I also gathered to myself silver and gold and special treasures, kings of the provinces and of the provinces. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. And indeed, all was vanity, grasping for the wind. There was no prophet under the sun. You see, Solomon had it all. Barry had it all. Except he wasn't happy. Wasn't fulfilled. And Solomon is not satisfied. In England, we have motorways. I don't know, sort of a bit like the 401, but we call them motorways. So we're going to talk about now the motorways of riches. Now, Solomon enjoyed great riches. We know that. People still talk about the mystical minds of Solomon full of gold and diamonds, and people still try and discover where they are. But after all of his wealth and riches, he concludes by saying this, this time Ecclesiastes 5, verse 15, as he came from his mother's womb, naked shall he return to go as he came, and he shall take nothing from his labor, which he may carry away in his hand. Now interestingly, about 1,000 years later, our Lord Jesus was speaking of the transitory nature of all that the world offers when he was speaking to a Samaritan woman at a well. It was a hot day. It was in the middle of the day. The sun was at its highest. And in John 4 and verse 13 and 14, our Lord Jesus says this, whoever drinks of this water Will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. You see, Solomon had already guessed the truth of those words while he gradually discovered that everything was a disappointment to him. So, what was his conclusion? His conclusion was very simply this. Fear God and keep his commandments. Fear God and keep his commandments. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Ecclesiastes 12 verse 13. So what was Solomon really saying? He was saying this. The only treasure that truly satisfies is a relationship with God. And the time to establish that relationship is today. It's right now. Today, this moment, is the time to remember your creator in the days of your youth. You see, I've got some news for the young people here this evening. It is quite possible that for some of you, the only life you will know on earth is about to come to an end. It's a possibility. I'm sure Tiffany won't mind us mentioning it, but look how close we can come to the end of our life. It's possible that some of you will not see your 20s or your 30s. I'm not trying to be depressing, just being realistic. I also need to warn some of you that life, and some of you, this is an even greater shock for you, that life rolls relentlessly on. However hard you try and stop it, you can't. You know, we're not Peter Pan who wants to stay as a child forever. So That would be quite good fun, wouldn't it? But it's not going to happen. Did you know that every day you live, It's not a rehearsal. It's not a practice for that day. It's the live event. There's no turning the clock back. You can't change it. It's not a rehearsal. A guy called Richard Needham described the seven ages of man and women as this. He said, it spills, drills, thrills, bills, ills, pills, and wills. Now, I'm assuming that in Canadian, that all means the same thing as it does in English. Now, Emma read Ecclesiastes 12, 1 to 8 earlier for us. Did you notice who this section of Scripture is talking about? Verse 1 begins... With the clear and powerful statement, remember your creator in the days of your youth. Nothing complicated there at all. And then the next few verses explains what happens in our lives. Not if you do not know God, but what happens to all of us as we get older. However, the verses also help us to understand why it is important to know God when we are young. And what happens to us That takes away our desire to know and love God through Jesus Christ. Some people say to me, It's okay, Pastor, I've got plenty of time. When I'm ready, I'll call on God. In my time, in my way, I will call to Him. But you see, our life doesn't just stay as we are now, suddenly it changes. Suddenly, we have more responsibilities. And the second part of verse one says that we should remember our Creator in our youth because the older we get, the more difficult life becomes. And that's the thing I just wanted to break to you gently. It's not going to get easier, it's going to get harder and tougher. Before the difficult days, Solomon says. Before the difficult days come and the years draw near. You see, it doesn't get any easier. It gets harder and harder. We have more responsibility. We have more things to cope with. We have less and less time to think about the place that we find ourselves in in our lives. In fact, in the last few words of verse 1, it says, I have no pleasure in them. Life is changing. For many, people growing old has no pleasure whatsoever for them. But as we grow old, we soon find that we have less time to think about God because we have to think about more and more of what is going on around us. Verse 3 tells us that we begin to shake and tremble, the verse uh, says. Let's uh, just quickly turn to that one. It says, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men bow down. What's this talking about? It's talking about our hands trembling. It's talking about our legs and our knees knocking because we're getting older. It's talking about the fact that life is relentlessly ticking on. The keepers of our body. Are shaking. Life continues. And then the next verse talks about our grinders cease. What's your grinders? Teeth. Your teeth get old and fall out. And suddenly, you know, you try chewing a piece of beef on your gums. It's a challenge. Your teeth fall out and you wish that you'd clean them properly. But it's too late. You spent a fortune on root canal fillings. (laughs) Your eyesight fails. It says the windows grow dim. Your hearing begins to fail. You can no longer hear what is happening in the street outside, Solomon says. Your sleep is gone, he says. No longer do you sleep like a baby with that deep Untroubled sleep. Now you're woken. The bird's singing at dawn. The light comes in. And verse 4 tells us that we're no longer enjoying the music and the entertainment that we used to. Our patience has gone. And it's all these reasons that Solomon says remember your creator in the days of your youth because I'm telling you friends it's so much easier. Verse five, desire fails. All of a sudden life loses its desire and interest. Friends, this is what getting old is all about. And as I say, some of us are able to relate to this more than others. And this is why the writer says remember your creator in your youth. Verse seven talks about our death. Then the dust Will return to the earth as it was. And the spirit will return to God who gave it. And what does the preacher say? The preacher says vanity. Of vanities all is vanity. Everything is empty. And everything is valueless. But now we're reminded in verse 13, as Solomon gives the conclusion of the whole matter. What does he say? He says, fear God and keep his commandments. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment. And notice there, in verse 13, including every secret thing. The things that you think no one else knows about. Snapchat. He thought it was all deleted. I noticed the number smiling at that particular point. But God knows. God knows. So the secret things will be brought before God. Whether good or whether evil, Solomon says. And verse 7 tells us that our spirit, our soul, will return to God. No ifs, no buts when we die all of us will face god and we will need according to verse 14 need to bring everything to god to be judged including the secret things friends you may not realize this but it is indeed a race against time everybody is going to die verse 6 the silver cord is loosed what's that It's the cord that joins body and soul together and is severed. So, when do we remember our Creator? When do we repent of our sin? The young man asked his pastor, When? Pastor, when should I do this? And the pastor replied, The day before you die. And the young man asked, When will I die? And the pastor replied that he did not know and that the young man needed to repent now. Our opportunity to remember our creator has an expiration date on it. Today repent of your sin, all the stuff that offends a holy God. You might think it's of no concern. But sin is sin and God hates sin because God is holy. God is righteous. Repentance is not just an emotion, not just a regretful, well, you know, God, I'm sorry for all this. Repentance is a deliberate act of turning from wrong while trusting in Jesus Christ for forgiveness. And specifically, it means that the thief intends to live honestly. That the drunk will live soberly. That the immoral person will live purely and the ungodly person to live in a godly fashion. Repentance means acknowledging your sin before God and asking for his help in avoiding wrongdoing in the future. And secondly, to remember our Creator, we need to receive Christ as our Lord and as our Savior. Christ didn't come into the world to call righteous people to himself. But to redeem sinners. Someone sent me um, uh, um, one of those YouTube clips this afternoon. Now I've seen it before and I know about it. Uh, There's problems in the country of Finland. They've introduced laws which say that it is an offense to describe someone as a sinner. I need you to think about that for a moment. What does the Bible call us? And so there's a, a, a lady, an MP in the parliament there who is a believer and she's tweeted about the Bible. And she's going to court over it. They're taking her to court over it. She faces a two-year prison sentence. And now one of the bishops in the, the Lutheran church has also stood up and said, well, what, what do we call ourselves? People are sinners. This is it. And the court says, but you can't offend somebody. Don't talk to them and say they're a sinner. But you see, that's the point, isn't it? We will always be offended by the word sin. All of us. But it's the truth. When Jesus died on the cross, he was actually carrying on his shoulders the sin of the world. Yours and mine. Jesus took the punishment for our sin Of forgetting our creator. That's what he was doing. Because we forgot who created us. We turned our back on the God who loved us and created us. We rejected God and his commandments. We went our own way. We do our own thing. In whatever way we choose. But Jesus died to make it possible for guilty mankind to start again. To remember again our relationship with God. You know what? The first person to trust in the crucified Lord Jesus Christ. To trust in his power was the dying thief who was crucified alongside him. What did the dying man say? He said, remember. Remember me when you go into paradise. When you come into your kingdom. In his act of asking the Lord to remember him, he was in fact recognizing and receiving Jesus into his heart. And into his life. You see, your conversion to Christ occurs when you truly turn from your sin and trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and as your Lord. I know someone who recently told me, in fact, she told this whole church, that there was a time. That she regretted the day of her physical birth. But she. And everyone else who has come to faith. In the Lord Jesus Christ has never regretted the day. Of their new birth in Jesus. When they came to faith in the Savior. Lastly, to remember our Creator, we have to live for Christ. You see, you can't say one thing with your mouth and then do something else with your body and with your time, the places you go. It, it requires a change. We have to live for Jesus. And He lives in us to enable us to live for Him. He doesn't just turn us out into the world unprepared, unequipped. He says, I'll be with you. I'll live in you. I'll deal with the fears that you have. I will take you through this life and it'll be the greatest life you could ever imagine and it'll be a life of joy in knowing Jesus. Joy, satisfaction and the deep knowledge of God are not in store for those who play with religion. It's not in store for those who pretend, oh Mum's looking, better look sharp. Pastor's watching, better be careful. We should never just give God the dregs of our lives. You see, Jesus gave his very best for us. Nobody could ever criticize. He did everything for you and for me. He gave his life for you and for me. How dare we think for one moment that we can just twist him round our little finger and treat him disrespectfully. He is worthy of our wholehearted devotion and service as we remember now our creator in our youth. Don't leave it till you get old. You find your brain stops working properly after a while. You can't reason things through and all of a sudden you get yourself into this comfy little groove. I'll deal with it tomorrow. I'll deal with my eternity tomorrow, another day. But there is an expiration date. Don't let it go by. Gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what has been Presented to us as King Solomon. Wrote about all the things that he tried. And he came back. To the reality that he had. To remember his creator. And he makes the point that we should do it while we're young. And so I pray for each young person here. This evening. Lord graciously speak into their hearts. Don't let them see another day close without remembering you, without trusting in you, without simply praying, Lord, forgive my sin, without repenting of that sin, without calling to you for salvation, And Lord, we would pray that even this evening they would close their, this day with the sure and certain knowledge of the assurance that is given when we do indeed surrender all to you. Take my life and let it be, we sing. So gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we pray that we would all remember our Creator this day. And to do that, we need to know Him. And we need to see his love in our hearts and in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray.